Welcome, Soul Sister, to Her Soul Lace Podcast. This is your host, Jillian Baez. On this podcast, we talk all things healing and help women evolve and renew themselves to reach their best self. We will cover topics such as inner work, health and wellness, self-love, entrepreneurship, and so much more. So if you're ready, light yourself a candle, grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy. On today's episode, I have guests with me, Katie Grimes, to talk about a love addiction and what that means in her personal experience. She talks about codependency as well as red flags you should be looking out for in terms of relationships. So if you're interested and want to hear more, just keep on listening. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the podcast. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you today to talk a little bit more about love addiction and what that means in terms of relationships. Can you just tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Katie Grimes. I am a love addiction coach. And essentially what I do is I help women you know, really look at their behavior when it comes to their the love that they have in their life, whether it's the relationships that they're in, whether it's the relationships with their family and trying to build greater self-esteem. Um, because I think often many of us have asked ourselves this question, which is, you know, does love really have to be this hard? Mm-hmm. Um, and really trying to build spiritual practices as well as practical practices of feeling better when it comes to love and making good choices so we can get the kind of love we've been fantasizing about. It's funny because when I, when you and I connected and I seen that you were a love addiction coach, I was like, "Mm, that's an interesting word there. So tell me a little bit as to like, what does that mean for you? What is love addiction? Yeah. So when it comes to the word love and addiction, right? When when we think of addiction, we often think of alcoholism or drug, drug addiction. It usually has a negative connotation. And when you think about the word addiction, it, it, it actually breaks down to someone who compulsively does something in the, because they think it's going to make them feel better, but it actually makes them feel worse. Mm. So in the example of alcoholism or drug addiction, somebody will pick up a substance and they will use it thinking that it's going to make them feel better, but they actually feel terrible. And in their wake of trying to feel better, they actually make other people feel worse, right? Because they don't show up when they say they will, they're selfish, they're dishonest, they're manipulative, et cetera. Love is the exact same thing. So it's a substance. The only difference is you can't see it, right? Because love is a feeling. But if you look at your own behavior, you look at maybe any of your you know, guys or girls that you know, is it somebody who compulsively is sleeping with other people, whether they're in a relationship or not? right? Is it somebody who is manipulating the way that they're dressing to get the kind of attention that they want from somebody that they're attracted to? Are you finding that you're on social media and you're obsessively checking your phone to see how many likes you get or, um, you know, accolades? Are, do you find yourself like just so happen to scroll through your ex's Instagram right. <laughs> and, his, and then and then like his girlfriends and new in, you know his new girlfriend's Instagram, which is stalking, right? And we don't think about these things because it's been so ingrained in our personality and in our society to be socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until Tiger Woods many years ago got a golf club to his car that people started to learn what sex addiction was. And so we made this assumption that it had to be people who were cheating, or we we had to have it be somebody who was compulsively having sex all the time. 
but it can manifest itself as watching porn. Yeah. It could be the feeling that you get after you have sex with someone and you just don't feel good about yourself. And why did I start coaching women particularly on this topic was because I am a sex, love, and fantasy addict. I am somebody who compulsively seeks love in my relationships, whether it's with family or friends or you know people I'm attracted to. And when specifically when it comes to people I'm attracted to, I find that I compulsively act out by having sex with them too early in the relationship often, thinking that that will lead us to feeling a, close of, a sense of intimacy or a sense of closeness. But then I fantasize about life, what life will be like with them. Mm-hmm. And I fantasize about the car I drive or the clothes I'd have or the friends I'd, I'd be going on vacation with. And it, I'm not even actually giving them a chance for us to get to know one another because I already have this idea in my mind of what life would be like. And I think I reached out to you about the podcast and and specifically, um, you know, about having this conversation because so many of us suffer from this disease and we don't know it. Mm. And I think that I would be doing a disservice to all of us if I wasn't starting to talk about it, because there are many people behind closed doors in basements and churches who are in 12-step recovery talking about this. And the rooms are packed with men and women of all ages and sexual orientations and ethnicities. But we're all so ashamed and we feel so judged and belittled that we don't talk about it. And so what happens is whenever whatever disease you have, it likes to isolate you. So when it isolates you, you just feel different and you feel special. You feel like, like you're different and unique from somebody else. And what ends up happening is it actually makes you feel worse. Mm. You're so right. Like, I think when I see the word addiction, I think about alcohol and drugs and gambling, you know? And so I recently was working at a, uh, substance use recovery center and there was a sex addicts, um, support group. And it was just so interesting. And I think it's definitely a new concept. And I think there can be a multiple of factors of why people um, behave in that way. But just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Do you think that some of it can be from some uh, abandonment issues from childhood? And if so, like, how does that present itself and manifest? Yeah. So the common characteristic from my own research and from my own experience is that we suffered some sort of trauma as a child. And so trauma is a big word. So stick with me here because I feel like it's overused and not really explained very well. Trauma can mean that you had a death in the family. It could mean that a parent or someone you loved very closely Um, was in a car accident or suffered from mental illness or was a narcissist and they were just really inconsistent in their behavior. The common characteristics amongst all addictions is that we feel that we are not good enough. So as a result of that, we try to seek the things that will make us feel good, which is confusing because our body and our mind are often at war with each other going, well, should I pick up the drink? Should I have sex with that person? Should I text that that guy that I'm interested in? As opposed to just sitting still with the feelings of like, why am I triggered? Well, you're triggered because you're feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Where's the first memory of feeling lonely? That first memory of feeling lonely is with maybe a parent 
um, it's really common that the people that raised us, parents, grandparents, you know, somehow we didn't feel that we got enough love from them. And so we start to search outside of ourselves in the form of, like you said, drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex, love, work, mm-hmm. social media to try All to feel Yeah. And, you know, as human beings, we all want to feel a sense of belonging. And so if we don't have that sense, we're going to try to externally find that. So um, that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me a little bit about, I know when we first spoke, you spoke to me about three types of women that you directly work with. So you mentioned um, the single, the hot mess express, the single but not ready to mingle and deliberately dating. So walk me through each one of those. I love those um, labels there. Yeah. So by the way, I, somebody, I was in an interview once and she was like, which one were you? And I was like, girl, I was all three. Okay. (laughs) So I came up with those nicknames because it's how I labeled myself, um, in a charismatic way, because when it comes to hot mess express, right. Those are generally people who, by the way, this is, this is inclusive of, of relationship statuses. It's like, you are either in a relationship with someone and not realizing if you should stay or should you go because you're either cheating or you're emotionally cheating or you're just feeling super unfulfilled. Or you're a hot mess express because you're single, you're dating, you're out there like actively pursuing people, multiple people, and hoping that it will turn into love. But sometimes you can't make it past the third date. Sometimes you're like getting ghosted and you're just trying to figure out like, all right, on to the next, or you're churning and burning through them. So like you're on a date, you get in the cab and then all of a sudden you're like already back on Bumble. Mm-hmm. That my friends is a hot mess express. <laughs> like, we can't sit alone with our feelings fast enough because we are just chasing the next person or the next vacation, the next bar crawl out, like just to feel better. And you know, that's you, if you feel like shit and any of that was true, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, like I found myself like shaking my own head being like, yeah, I'm done all that stuff. And then the next phase is sort of like single, but not ready to mingle. I mean, those are women that clearly are single, right. And who want to take time to themselves to really focus on their efforts of being healthier and being happier. This could be somebody who just went through a breakup. It could also be somebody who, um, just hasn't dated in a while and just really wants to take time off. Um, usually these women are characterized by, by trying to throw themselves back into career. Mm. So they're trying to like work a lot or trying to raise their bar at work. And I find that those are the women that I go, whoop, single but not ready to mingle. Like they're, you're putting one addiction down for another, as opposed to just dealing with the feelings. Right. Um, and then I call the third one deliberately dating. You know, this is somebody who is either actively in a relationship and wanting to be really healthy and really happy and start changing the way that they're speaking to their partners and owning their own shit um, to somebody who's been single and now is actively out in the dating market and trying not to do the old things that they used to. They're trying not to sex right away. They're trying not to um, get in a relationship right off the bat. They're trying to figure out if they want to choose them versus the other person choosing them. You know, mm-hmm. I think that was a big misconception of mine. I always felt like I had to be chosen when in fact, like I actually could do the choosing. Right. So I find that 
all three types of women, regardless of relationship status, will come to me and and usually be able to identify that they can categorize themselves in one of those three or kind of a combination of all of it. Um, but the underlying feeling is a feeling of not feeling good enough and wanting to feel happier than they are today. Yeah, you're so right. I think there's definitely different phases. Um, and so I love that you were able to break that down. And one of the first episodes, one of the very first episodes I did with my boyfriend, we were talking about like, what should you be doing when you're in that single season? Us, we were saying, you know, take that time for yourself, have fun, learn yourself again, rediscover yourself. And then, you know, once you feel ready that you can commit yourself to someone else, go out there and deliberately date. And so, um, I love that you were able to kind of categorize those as those three phases, because I think that's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. And I think often you just touched on something too, the word have fun. You know, my idea of fun now is very different than it was back then. You know, I think having fun then used to be, what guys could I pick up at a bar? Whose number would I get? Who would ask me on a date? How much, how much flirting would I get done so that I could feel good about myself? Mm. And similar to the conversation that you and your boyfriend had, as I started to get healthier by having my own coach and by going to SLAA meetings, which is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, I was able to feel more supported to do exactly what you and your boyfriend were talking about, which was starting to show up in my own life doing the things that I love and having my own kind of fun that didn't include flirting with other people, which is a very hard lesson to learn, especially since I've been flirting my whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a shift you make, but you know, overall it, it makes you better as a person and overall will create healthy relationships for you in the future. So, um, absolutely. I mean, it was by far the best thing I ever did. And I think that the thing that I tell a lot of people is, that you absolutely cannot go through this process alone. Like all the feelings that come up of not flirting and not sleeping with people and, you know, not dating when that's been so much of our foundation. Uh, I mean, you essentially go through withdrawal like you would a drug or, or alcohol. Like the symptoms are very much similar to what you see on TV. All really just essentially starts with us, right? It starts with you and feeling comfortable with yourself and feeling happy. So Tell me a little bit of what advice do you have for some women who are trying to strengthen their intuition to find um, better relationships? Yeah, I just did a masterclass on strengthening your intuition um, because it's a it's a principle that I teach. I actually spend two course. I do a six week course called Love Your Life. It's open now for for four women, and out of that six week course, we do two weeks of it all about strengthening your intuition. And I give a number of examples there, but the one that I think I've heard through my own research, from my own research and experience is stillness. Most people make the assumption that with stillness, it means you have to meditate, but stillness could come in the form of reading a book or taking a bath or taking a walk, just not having any other distractions. And I find that with stillness, you are able to receive the messages that you need to hear because you're sitting down long enough to hear them. Now you may choose not to do anything with them, but that's okay because the more time you spend in stillness, the more information you'll receive. And then you'll be able to make a decision like, oh, does that feel good? Or does that not feel good for me? 
yeah. without having to trust and rely on like more. I say, don't talk to more than three people about a decision you're trying to make because anything over three, either you're looking for attention or two, you're looking to distract yourself from actually getting to the right answer. Mm-hmm. I ask you, and I ask maybe three other listeners on this call and that makes four, all four of you going to have a different answer about what I should do. That would only confuse you more, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's my biggest lesson for strengthening your intuition. Yeah, that's good. And and it all goes back to just finding what works for you. You know, like you said, stillness for everyone looks different, but once you find what works for you and you're able to connect with yourself, you'll hear this, you'll feel it, you know? And so talking about that feeling, what are some red flags that a woman um, can identify in her own behavior that is attracting, let's say, for example, an emotionally unavailable uh, individual partner? The biggest red flag that I see when a woman is trying, when a woman is trying to pursue someone who is emotionally and physically unavailable is the feeling that she feels um, whether she's with him or not. Mm. And I say that very simply as, do you feel like shit? Cause we all know what feeling like shit feels like. feels yeah. awful. We feel it in our stomach. Our stomach's not right. We're like figuring out if we have to go to the bathroom. Like we feel a tightness in our chest. We feel our mind racing or we're distracting ourselves by looking at our phone. And so I often find that our first thought that we have about someone is our intuition. Whether let's say you go on a date with someone and you're just like nice person, but like no chemistry. Mm. That's your intuition. The second thought is always fear. And, and then what ends up happening is your intuition and your fear jump back and forth with each other. And they're like, Oh shoot. Should I go on a date? I should go on a date with him again. Oh man, I should give him another chance. But what if he really liked me? What if he's the one? And then you could start going back and forth, right? Right. And what it does is it makes you doubt yourself because you're like, I don't know what's my intuition and what's a red flag. And I always say, just go with that first thought because if you didn't feel good when you were on the date, there is no reasoning or rationalizing that. I think oftentimes what women do is we go, oh man, I'm crazy. I'm crazy for feeling that way. Mm. Or I should give it another chance. And what ends up happening is we become so loyal that many years now have gone by and we're still with the same person who we didn't really get a good vibe with or who don't make us feel good. And now it becomes harder to leave because our excuse is now saying, oh my gosh, but we've been together for so long. Right? And... And I think a big part of that is just being able to realize that you're ga- you are gathering more information and that you can pay attention to the fact that you don't feel good and that it's not that you're crazy for feeling that way. I say it's not that women are crazy, it's that we're triggered. Meaning if we had an experience where someone, where we were out, let's say, and we met somebody came up to us and he was just like a whirlwind, right? He was just like mm-hmm. a hot mess that feeling wouldn't feel good. So I don't want to spend more time with him. Right. And I'm not crazy for feeling that way, but I am crazy for feeling that. Like I might say that if you were like, oh my God, I thought he was great. Right, right. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, oh God, I, but I'm triggered because he either, he probably reminded me of someone. Mm. He may have even reminded me of myself when I wasn't well. That makes sense. And so it's okay not to spend time with that person. Mm. 
Give yourself that permission. Give yourself, I give, say that to my clients all the time. I'm going to give you permission on this one. Somebody said that to me one time and it was so beautiful because I really needed her to give me permission to feel the feelings I was feeling. Yeah. And we feel bad about it, you know, sometimes because especially some woman, I was a past people pleaser where I constantly wanted to make sure people were okay and happy. And I didn't want to be the person to break the bad news. Right. And so if some women are dealing with that, can you imagine the relationships that they'll end up with just because they want the other person to be happy? I think more people are people pleasers than we, than we care to admit, Mm -hmm. but it really is that person who is always looking out for everyone else's best interest and putting her own needs before everybody else, because we're concerned about what they're going to think about her or what they're going to think about the scenario. And um, it is actually, that characteristic is a common characteristic of growing up in some sort of trauma or dysfunction. Yeah. Because we're trying to manage all the shit that was happening as kids that we couldn't really understand what was happening. Yeah. And we never got our needs met. Right. There was, there was messed up situations that were happening and we were trying to make sense of something that was so senseless. And so as a result, we're like, oh, well, let me cook or let me clean or let me be the, get straight A's or let me just get out of the house. And what it ended up doing was just causing us all to have this characteristic of always wanting to make sure that everybody else is okay because if temperatures flare, it's going down. Yeah. You know, one interesting thing that I, when I was working with one of my clients that I recently just found out is a lot of us as well as we would use our strengths to our advantage to get our needs met. And so for her, she wasn't getting her needs met in being having that attention from her parents, but she was very helpful. And so she used that to her advantage to present herself as like, oh, I can do this, this for you, right? Just as like, hey, I'm here, give me some attention. So it's just so amazing that just as humans, you know, we'll do anything to get our needs met in this. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a great example too of someone that would be very susceptible to some sort of addiction in some way, shape, or form. Like Absolutely. particularly love addiction, right? Seeking validation outside of ourselves, because we learn how to manipulate. We learn how to get our needs met by saying or doing the right quote unquote right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm I am that person. Yeah. We all have been there at some point. So let's talk a little bit about codependency. This is a big one. And I think it ties right back into that, you know, that trauma and all things that we've experienced. So what are some signs that we're in a codependency relationship and how can women free themselves from that? Yeah, I just had a discussion with a client about this tonight, actually. I think a great example is, have you ever spent time with someone and they ended up being like grumpy or not in a good mood. And then you were in a fine mood, but then all of a sudden now you're not in a good mood. Yep. <laughs> that is a key characteristic of codependency mm-hmm. that your emotions are tied to my emotions. So if you feel good, I feel good. If you feel bad, I feel bad. Mm-hmm. And that we're very susceptible to trying to make similar to what you were describing that other woman to have is like these characteristics where we're trying to make all the circumstances around us feel better. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, well, I better clean up the house or have dinner ready by the time they get home. Cause I know they had a rough day and I want it to be, you know, you're kind of walking on eggshells. Those are some other characteristics, but I would say the biggest one is like, 
your energy is matching each other depending on how the other person is feeling. And what I found was I asked my client recently to make an amends to the person that um, she had done that to, meaning she was codependent with that person in that moment. And so I said, what would it feel like to make an amends? And she's like, I don't even know what that would look like. And I said, well, anytime you are apologizing to someone, you're, you're apologizing not to just make the situation go away, but you're actually acknowledging that something you did on your part doesn't feel good. And as a result of that, you would actually like to make an eff- make an effort not to do that going forward. Mm-hmm. So I said, so an apology when you're being codependent would look something like, hey, I know that you've had a lot on your plate this week and I wanted to apologize because I didn't, I didn't allow you to just have your feelings about it. Instead, I tried to manage the house. I tried to clean up. I tried to cook dinner. I tried to have all these things in order so nothing would be out of whack but then stuff was still out of whack because you weren't feeling good. So now I'm taking on your stress and your discontent and I'm working overtime to make you feel better. And now I'm exhausting myself and now I'm resentful for you, to you and being grumpy towards you because I think in a way it's like, I'm doing this to myself, but I think you're doing it to me. And that's not true. I'm doing this to myself. So I wanted to apologize. Yeah. And so when you keep the focus on yourself, if you notice if that was an exchange between you and I, I hardly use the word you. I yeah. really try to keep the focus on me and my part in it. Uh, it goes a long way when it comes to apologies. It does. I think, even, you know, trying to start a conversation that's really uncomfortable, I always tell people start with the positive and then lead your way into whatever it is that you want to talk about. What advice do you have for for women who have been in a relationship for a really long time, but, you know, they're just used to having them around and just can't see themselves trying to separate from that relationship? I think for one, it's being able to build a life outside of your relationship while still being in your relationship. So what are the hobbies that you like doing? So for example, you might love taking a dance class or going out for paint night with your girlfriends. And one of the ways to start to detach a bit is not by texting the the person that you're with and being like, I'll be home at 930. Instead, being like, I think we're going to be back at 10. If I, if I'm any later than that, I'll give you a ring or whatever. Right. Cause it's like common courtesy when you like live together, or you've been in a relationship for a long time. But I think a big part of it is if you're feeling unfulfilled, no trip, no uh, amount of promotions at work is going to solve for that. It is really a spiritual solution. It really means building a better relationship with yourself and building a better relationship with God or a higher power or whatever you choose to call it mm-hmm. so that you can have a direct line of communication with each other to be like, how do I need to set, like in a way, like separate or detach yourself from being so immersed in this person's life because whether you choose to be with someone else in the future or they choose to be with someone else in the future or you choose to be with each other or god forbid you either one of you passes away Mm. none of that shit is going to matter if you can't heal yourself right when circumstances as life happens happens we want to make sure that we are able to take care of ourselves whether it's good bad or ugly And if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, if I lost somebody, like I wouldn't be able to handle it. Well, then that's all the more indication to do things like 
build a network of supported girlfriends where you're not, you're not talking shit. You're not talking about gossip. You're not criticizing. You're not talking about blaming. You're focused and positive and lifting each other up and going to personal development retreats and things like that. I think that's one area. I think the other is finding things that you like to do alone Mm -hmm. and then also finding things that you'd like to do with that person. And listen, there is no shame in like getting a coach or going to therapy and figuring out what it is you need to do to be able to take care of your emotional needs. For some of us too, spirituality comes in the form of 12-step recovery programs. Literally all the things that you and I mentioned today, there is a 12-step recovery process for all of them and it's free. You know, going to therapy, getting, like I said, getting a coach, going to um, some sort of religious institution, whether it's church or whatever, like really building that, like, what am I doing emotionally to take care of myself? What am I doing physically? Am I eating well? Am I working, you know, moving my body at least 30 minutes a day and sweating? And then what can I be doing um, spiritually, spiritually, emotionally, physically? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Taking care of yourself. And, you know, it all goes back to just being connected to yourself. How can you take care of yourself and then being able to be in that relationship? It only makes it so much healthier for everyone. I completely agree. I love that. What is to end the podcast? You have been so great. What is a mantra or something uh, you live by and why? Oh, I love that. I'm going to give you like my business and like life because business came to mind. but I am highly compensated for the work that I do in this world mm. has been my mantra. Um, and wise because when I got into business for myself, I didn't realize that I lacked self-esteem when it came to being paid um, for my equal exchange of services. So the information that I'm sharing with you has taken me over 10 years to learn. Yeah. You know? And so really not being ashamed to uh, of being paid for the work that I've done on myself and transmitting that information to other people. Mm. I think when it comes to being loved, um, one that I often will just say is, you know, I am loved. It's very simple, <laughs> but I say it because it reminds me to practice um, allowing to receive love and pay attention during the day to when things are to when I'm receiving. Yeah. So for example, I started writing a list of any time throughout the day. I I do this is did somebody drop me a DM on Instagram and tell me that I'm doing a good job? Did um, you tell me it was nice to have me on the podcast? Like that's receiving love. Yeah. And so acknowledging all those little moments of when it's coming up throughout the day has been super helpful. And I found it to be more powerful than a gratitude list because it actually reaffirms that mantra that I am loved. I love that. I want to start incorporating that. That's a good one. (laughs) A receiving list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. I love it. Well, Katie, you have been so amazing. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you, any of your services um, and all of that good stuff? Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Katie Grimes and I'm actually enrolling. I have um, five more spots for private coaching clients. And I also have four spots available in my Love Your Life program, which kicks off the week of March 26th. It's an application only process for both private coaching and the Love Your Life. Um, And then you can find me on my website, katiegrimes.com, or you can follow me on social media, kg.katiegrimes.com. 
And lastly, on my podcast, Anything for Love. Love it. Thank you so much, girl, for being on the podcast. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And as always, thank you so much for all the support. Don't forget to leave me a review and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I love you girls so, so, so much. Continue to shine, continue to kill it, and I will catch you on the next episode.